Good morning. Just want to say before we read the Word of God that God can never love you more whether you become a saint in your behavior from this moment on or whether you were a saint better than you are now in the past or into the future. God can never, ever love you more than he loves you now. No matter what happens into the future, God is for us. And he will always love us even when we're living in sin. There's not a person outside there that doesn't know Christ, people that are drug addicts, prostitutes, whatever they may be, God doesn't love them any less than he loves us. It's hard for us to believe that, but it's the truth. And I felt this morning, while I wasn't gonna preach on that, I felt I just need to come and reassure you that no matter what you are up to, what you're facing, where you're going, what's happening in your life, God loves you and can't love you anymore, no matter how you change your behavior. He is for you. And His plans for you are plans for good. They're plans to give you hope. To give you hope in a world that has very little hope anymore give you a future in a world that's just going into oblivion God still has plans for us and I believe that I need to be saying that partly also because part of the fact that God loves us is, is kind of revealed in God bringing us to this church now, I don't know how many of us actually realize that that God brought you to this church and in the past he brought lots of other people to this church. Part of his love to be expressed in and through us, but towards us as well. Some have stayed, some have moved on. But God had a plan in bringing us together, even those that have left. He brought them into this church, part of his plan and his purposes. And I've been asked to preach this morning on the subject of the translocal wineskin. Now, I don't know whether you understand what the word wineskin means, so I'm going to share a little bit about that just briefly, as brief as I can. But if you, when we look up here, we often see the top there, wine and wineskins. And I don't know how many of you have not been in the meetings haven't grasped what God's trying to say, but I believe that we need to stand and today understand from the depth of our hearts that no matter what we feel like we have been or haven't been in the wineskin, that God still loves us. But I'm hoping that in your heart, because this is what I've been praying, that we will say, God, to be loved by you is enough, but it's not enough. Because I want to be able to love you more than I've ever loved you before. And while I revel in your love, I want my love to increase today. 
my love for your plans and your purposes, not only for my own life, because this is where the, the rubber meets the road in a sense, not only for my own life, but for all of those you died for. I don't know if you can be honest with yourself this morning, how much of that grips your heart, all that you, Jesus, died for. And that's why God has given us wine, and that's why God has given us a wineskin, and to the degree that the wineskin is willing to change, to that degree can your life and my life and us together count for God. Now, I want to just ask you to bear with me for the first maybe three, four minutes while I just take a little bit of time to, and I'm hoping they can put the scriptures up there. I want to just talk a little bit about, first of all, the wine and the wineskin, reading a number, just two or three scriptures, and then what that wineskin represents and the wine. And then thirdly, I want us to look at the practical outworking of part of that wine, which is the Great Commission. That's what the translocal is also about. It's not only us here, but it's us in what God's doing in the earth. So if you'll bear with me, put up with me, but read the scriptures and ask God now, God, won't you speak to me by your spirit through these scriptures about my part in all of this? Now, bear this in mind. I'm going to come back to this. But when we're talking about wine and wineskins, there are three areas of wineskin that I think most people miss. The first one is that there's a personal wineskin. I, Dudley Daniel, am standing here and God has created me not only for other things, but also to be a wineskin. That you, whatever your name is, you are a wineskin. You'll see what I mean by that as I pursue this a little further. But there's not only you, the individual, the personal wineskin, there's us, the local church. And we are a wineskin. And every individual personal wineskin needs to fit into a local wineskin. And then every local church wineskin needs to fit into a translocal wineskin. So there are three things there. There's you, there's us, and it's the bigger than us. Have you grasped that? Ask God to burn that into your heart that you don't forget it when you walk out. Ask him now, really, seriously, just God, burn that into my heart. I'm a wineskin, this church is a wineskin, and we are part of a translocal wineskin. And I, Dudley, or whatever your name may be, I have a part to play in all three. There's not one part that I'm exempt from. I've got to give an account for my own life. I'm going to have to give an account to some degree for us, and an, and an account too for what we do with a translocal that reaches the world for Jesus. Now, having said that, let's just read some of these scriptures. First one I'd like to ask you to read is Matthew chapter 9, picking up from verse 14, just the three verses, and I'm hoping they're up there. It says this, well, I'm going to read them from there. Then John's disciples came and asked Jesus, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. 
No one, now this is an amazing thing to give this kind of an answer to the question about fasting. Think about that. You'd think that Jesus would give a discourse on how to fast, why we should fast, when we should fast, what it all involves, but he doesn't, but he does. He says this, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. So we've got wine and wineskins. If they do, if you pour new wine into old wineskins, the skins will burst, the wine will be run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Wine, wineskins. What is the wine and what is the wineskin? I'm going to have to go through a few little things quickly because I'm sure we've touched most of these in the, in the, in the last few months as the others have preached this. But just to bear in mind about the wineskin, that God wants an administration, a framework. Now, in some senses, I would like to use the word structure, but the moment you use structure, then people feel it's structured, and that becomes rigid. But try to understand what God is trying to get across to us, that he needs a wineskin, an administration, some framework through which he can work to bring wine and we'll talk about the wine again in a moment, but all that Jesus by his Holy Spirit, the wine, Jesus by his Holy Spirit, the wine, so he can get that wine, he himself and all he's done and all he's seeking to do to people, so he needs this wineskin. Are you with me? He needs this wineskin standing in front of you. He needs the wineskin, if I were looking at any one of you as individuals, that wineskin. And he needs what I see here, us together as a wineskin. And he needs for us, you say, wait a minute, Dudley, does God need anything? No, he doesn't, but he does. God can do what he likes. But in his predestined foreknowledge, he chose a way. God didn't have to bring about the nation of Israel and through that Paul and all these others and Jesus comes in his birth. He didn't have to. He could have found another way. But this is the way that he chose and he's God. So he chose you. You didn't choose him. And so often we, in giving our testimonies, we say, I found Jesus or I Invited Jesus, I chose. Now, Jesus found you. He's been after you from the, before you were born. He chose us. And that's why he has this church here. He chose to plant kingdom life in Adelaide at this time with a specific purpose. We're not here just randomly. A set of circumstances. There was a divine appointment in heaven before we were created when God knew there was a time when I will give these people that I bring together an opportunity to be the wineskin that I want. Yeah. 
Think about that. The implications of that. The ramifications of that. The outworking, the impact that could have if each one of us grasps that in here, not just here. That we don't just talk about it, we live it. And that's why when God brought people in and they moved on, they were looking for what they felt inside of them that they can't even think about, that they were not satisfied where they were. And there's these stirrings of the Spirit of God inside of them that some of us still have here, but they didn't find what they thought they needed, so they moved on. Now, this is what God said to me this morning. I want to bring many, many of them back. But in order for me to be able to bring them back, there needs to be adjustments in the wineskin. Listen to that, please. I'm not a prophet, but there is a sense of prophetic edge to me. And while I'm praying and preparing and praying and preparing, I just felt God say, I want to bring a lot of those that left back. Now, inside of me, it's, I say, God, that's what I want. When people leave, it hurts me. It almost breaks my heart. I'm not one of those who can just say, well, they came, they went. There's something inside you. Hey, we belong to each other. And may they, they may have had justified reasons, but God wants to bring many of them back. Now, if you are sitting there and can honestly say, God, that's how I feel, tell him, please bring them back. But if you can't say that, say, God, help me to get back to seeing why you raised this church up. Because this is what's going to happen. People will come here, leave, and go to somewhere else, but they won't be long before they leave and leave and leave and leave, like some of us have done over the years. Leave, come to another place, leave that, go to another. Why? Because God has put a hunger in the hearts of men and women to find the wine that can flow through the wineskin that's willing to say yes to God. Are you with me? You're getting quiet. I don't know whether this is like, I don't like this. Now, in order just to have a look at this thing we're talking about, the administration, that I'm saying the wineskin is a, a framework and administration, I just want you to turn with me, please, to Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to read it from up there. My eyes are not the best with this light, and so it's, I don't always see everything that's in front of me here, so I'll read it up there where it is. But Paul says this, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles... Now he says this, surely you've heard about the, shout it out please, the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I've already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it is, it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, that is, every single nation 
every single place, every single person created from time beginning to the end of time, no matter where they scattered, the Gentiles. That the Gentiles are also heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? I want to read on in a moment. But we share us together. You know, sometimes you may feel like God so loves you that you want to be spoiled brats. My mother was so overcompensated for my dad not treating me like she felt he should that she, be, she almost made me, could never have happened being me, but she almost made me a, a spoiled brat. And sometimes you may feel like that. But you, sometimes you may feel like I'm one of those that God's left out, overlooked, forgotten. Does he even know I'm here? We're all sharers. Whether we're feeling like we are one of God's spoiled people or God's forgotten about, every one of us is a sharer in this gospel of grace, Christ's love. So let's read on. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working, I love it, of His power. Not my commitment, my energy efforts, my grin and bear it, grit, you know, by His power. Although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, now that's an hard thing for me to believe of Paul. I mean, you know how we almost revere him. But this is his own personal opinion about himself. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me, what? To preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone, what? The administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. And we won't read on, I'm not too sure whether we've got to the end of that little scripture part, but the administration of God's grace, the framework, the wine scheme. And if you were to just have a look, and they can put it up there, but I won't read it while I'm talking. If they'll put up Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through to 16, you'll see a little bit more of what Paul's talking about then. Then you could turn in your Bibles, or we'll put up as soon as that's read, Matthew chapter 28, because that first little part was, the wine and the wineskin is an administration. Now, have you got that? In your life, our life, and in our togetherness, with the team that God links us with into the nations of the world. That administration. Secondly, then, let's have a look at Matthew 28 from verse 18. I think most of you could quote it to me, but we'll read it. Then Jesus came to them and said, a little bit of authority in heaven and on earth, some authority in heaven and on earth, all authority. Who gave it to him? The Father. All authority in heaven and where you live on earth has been given to me. And as a result of this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. 
And then this wonderful promise, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So we've got the wine and the wineskin. Part of all of that, and this is something that has only more recently broken in on me, lots of the wineskin, many of the elements of the wineskin, now please just ask God to help you to understand this with me. Many of the elements of the wineskin are actually wine. And many of the elements of wine are actually part of the wineskin. And we've made such a distinction between wine and wineskin that somewhere it's got all blurred and lost. But many of the elements through Christ's teaching, the Gospels and the uh, Epistles, etc., so many parts of the wine is wineskin and so many parts of the wineskin is wine, they become absolutely inseparable. And the day you start to try and separate them too strongly, is that the day? that's the day when we start to lose out in God. Not that he loves us less, we just, he just can't flow through us and pour through us what he wanted to. Because I can sit there thinking, well, I've got a little bit of the wine, but in my little bit, it's not going to make that much of a contribution to the wineskin, so I'll just take it easy. We'll still get the wine through the rest of the wineskin. And vice versa, I can sit there and say, I'm just an unimportant part of the wineskin. I hope you're getting it with me. I don't want to go into too much technical, technical detail about that. And I don't want to confuse you. So, when believers, the church, when we stop understanding that the Great Commission is every one of ours responsibility. It's part of the wineskin. The wineskin is go, and th through you all, the wineskin, I will reach the nations and make believers of them, and through you, I want to teach them to obey everything. The moment we stop understanding that that is Dudley, your personal wineskin. That's not them now. It starts here. You, Dudley, you are to go and make disciples of all nations and you are to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and you are to teach them to observe everything I've commanded you and I will be with you. I don't know about you, the easy way to get, quote, the presence of God is just to stand and pray. That seems to be, the, but God's saying, well, if you, there, there are dimensions of my presence that you'll never know if you don't do what I tell you. And so in order to excuse ourselves from some of the wine and wineskin, we then major on one aspect of God being with us. Are you listening? We need every aspect. Suddenly gone silent. Now, I'm never too sure whether in those moments you're resisting or you're thinking, wow, I'm just hoping you're not resisting. 
And then we third, turn, turn to the third little part of this, and I'm going to ask you just to, well, I can put it up on, the, on the, the screen there. Acts chapter 14, reading from verse 21 to 28. Now we see how this administration, this wineskin, getting the wine to the people, how it actually happens. And if you're serious, read the book of Acts. Keep reading the book of Acts to see wine being poured, all the wine being poured through the wineskin. And so we read here, this is the New Testament church. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Now, this is speaking primarily about Paul and Barnabas. And I want to just remind you of this. Paul and Barnabas were planted in a wineskin church that God could reach the world through. That church was not planted by either Paul or Barnabas. That church was planted, if you would read Acts chapter 6, where you see persecution, is it Acts 8? Persecution broke out against the church. Do you remember that? And it says that when the persecution broke out, all of the believers were scattered. Now they were all in Jerusalem. They scattered, and the only ones who stayed, and this is an important point, the only ones who stayed were the ones who were supposed to go, the apostles, because the word apostle, its primary meaning means apostolos, the sent ones, the ones that go, and they stayed. But all of those that had been in the church before the persecution, had so taken a hold of what God was saying through the teachings that they received like you are getting in the church here week after week after week. They so imbibed that it became so much flesh. The word became flesh. That they, when they were persecuted and scattered, they planted the church at Antioch. And immediately, and you'll see this right through the Bible, the, the, the book of Acts, whenever that happened, the apostolic team got involved in the local church, which was started by individual believers. All our three aspects of the wineskin. None can be left out. Are you with me on this? They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true into the faith. And they were honest. God is an honest God. He tells us, man, now that you're mine and you're going to serve me and serve my purposes, there's going to be people that oppose that. Things are not going to go easy. You'll have problems. You'll have opposition. People that persecute you, want to go for you, want to kill you, destroy, and they did. Stephen being one of them. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas, translocal, appointed elders for them in each church local 
and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After this, after going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word and Perga, they went down to Atalia. From Atalia, they turned back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. And so we go read on. So here we have these people. They go out, they plant a church. The, the apostles get involved, and they're showing us what apostolic, prophetic, translocal ministry is all about, what the wineskin is about, that they went back and encouraged and taught and strengthened all of the church around the world the translocal being that wineskin in which we can reach churches as well as nations. I'm hoping this is sinking deeper than you've ever understood it before. I've understood this for 50 years, but I'm getting a deeper and deeper understanding as the years go by. I'm trusting that's happening to you, that it's not just, I know this. If you know this, let me just tell you this. If you know this, you're doing it. If you're not doing it, you don't know it. Seriously. Knowing is not just this. Adam knew his wife. It wasn't, whoa, she's beautiful. Can you imagine? No, Adam knew his wife. There's an intimacy. It, it, it results in something. Now let me back up a bit and I'm not too sure whether my time's already nearly finished and I'm still on this first little part here, but down through the ages, God's people, the church, has understood from time to time that we are a giving and going people. Right from Abraham, prior to Abraham, but let me just go there to Abraham. God said to Abraham in, in uh, uh, Genesis 12, leave your family, leave your country, leave. In order to leave, you've got to actually move. If you're going to leave this church today, this is going to be a scientific explosion in your mind. If you're going to leave this church, you've got to go outside. You've got to get out of here. If you don't leave, you're not going. You say, Dudley, this is so obvious. It's, it's so obvious that most people have forgotten it when it comes to the commission of God. God said to the David's wineskin, David, go. And I could go down the... Go. That means you've got to go. You can't say, I'm going, God, and you just stay. And 30, 40 years later, you haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> Sorry, I remember, please bear this in mind. I started off telling you, God can't love you less or more. He still loves you. But if you love him and you start to love him more, then you will do the things he loves. And that he told us to do. If you love me, Jesus said, you will do what I've commanded you. In other words, I, am I putting these words into Jesus' mouth if I say, if you don't obey me, 
you don't really love me. Hmm. He still loves you. <laughs> but how much do we love him? Excuse me with this little... All right. Now, from the beginning, God sent Jesus. The gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God, the message of the kingdom of God is a going message. From the beginning, it was a giving. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son, Jesus. Slowly but surely, the church has turned the going, sending, to staying and coming. Come to my church. I mean, even the word outreach today around the world is we're going to bring in an evangelist and we're going to have an outreach by trying to get people into our meeting, hoping they'll get saved. Outreach. <laughs> We've just twisted the, the whole English language. It's become a, like a linguistic gymnastic trick. Down through the centuries, God has spoken to different groups of people about the message of the kingdom, the mission of the kingdom, etc. And slowly but surely, we've turned it around. And so we stay. And we'll pray. And we may just give a little bit now and then. But most of us are saying, show me how I can prosper, how I can be happy, how I can have a good marriage. So instead of giving, it's get. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to have any of those things while we're doing it within what God wants for us as a, uh, as a personal, local, and translocal wineskin. Can you see that? God wants to bless us. But God wants us to be fruitful. And to the degree that we give, God can give back. And when he gives it back, we keep giving and to the degree that we were willing to go, now whatever that means for us, it may just mean going on a church plant. Just in the northern suburbs. Or the southern suburbs. Or Victor Harbour. Or just around the corner. So it's not necessary just everybody's got to go everywhere in the whole world all the time. We'd never have church. But there's got to be a heart that says, I'm willing to go and I wonder if I can ask you today, truthfully, before God, we've been yet, we celebrated 10 years last, last week, and I think it was. 10 years of being here. Have you really said, Father, is there some way you want me to be part of or lead a church plant that I could go and speak to the elders? That I could get some guidance from you? that we could spread this thing and the wineskin could become bigger and bigger and more and more effective and more and more fruitful. Because God says in John 15, I've appointed you to bear fruit. Yeah. Now there's six or seven areas of fruit and I can't speak on fruitfulness, but one of them is seeing more people one for Christ, souls being one, is part of the fruit 
And church planting is another fruit. The fruit of this local church should be church planting. We're talking translocal wineskin through the wineskin of the local church which operates through the wineskin of each and every one of our individual wineskins. So every one of us needs to be saying, Hey, Father, if you want me to be part of that, not that I leave by the back door and never have seen again. When we leave, we leave with a purpose in our togetherness. God wants to close the back door to people just leaving for their silly reasons and to keep the back door open for people being willing to leave for the right reasons. Are you there with me? I hope this is making some sense to you. You say, Dudley, I know that. I won't go any further. I've already said if you know it, you'll be doing it. All right, the apostles went, etc., etc., etc. And so down through church history, God has spoken to different groups of people, his people, the church, about his purposes for them. And so few have fulfilled it. For a while they do. And then they stop. So in your heart today, and I suppose I haven't even touched what's the, what is the wine. But I'll keep going for another, can you sit for another five or ten minutes? If you said no, I don't know what I'd do. <laughs> if you were to read, I don't know if they can put up 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 15, just the 15th verse, it actually says, that God's desire for and purpose for us is that we enlarge our sphere of influence. And then it goes on to tell us, or our area of activity, why? So that it will greatly expand, so that when we get it right here, we can then go out and plant more churches. But don't let's wait until we get it perfect, because then we will never do it. It's just that we start to get a heart for God. So let me quickly touch what, is, what are some of the areas of the wine, just as very briefly as I possibly can. Now, I'm going to give you some of these and ask you, make a note of this. And if you can't get it down quick enough, because there's about 12 things I want to say, or maybe a little more, I'm not And I just some of them I'll just, just give you the, the, the heading to it. The first thing is, and it's the obvious one, what is the new one? Well, it is God or Jesus by His Spirit. It's Jesus by His Spirit. Some people would just say, it's the Holy Spirit is the new wine. Well, that's true, but it's not enough. It's just a small, small part of the truth. Jesus by His Spirit. Why I say Jesus by His Spirit is because the Holy Spirit doesn't do weird, but He does do wild things. Jesus never acted weird, but man, he was wild. Nobody could tame him. Now, what does that mean? Here's some of those points. God is seeking, this is new wine, to restore the truth, truth that was lost, now being regained appearing to be new truth, but actually old truth being restored. 
I've often said, and I've said that not from here, but the pulpit to this church in the past, if somebody comes with new truth, tell them you don't want to hear. It's truth we've lost, and it appears new. Most everything that people come and tell me, man, you, you want to see God's doing a new thing. What is it? They tell me, I say, well, that's the fifth time it's come around in my 50 years. It just keeps coming around because why? We catch some of it. We emphasize that at the exclusion of everything else. And then we eventually lose it, throw it out, the baby out with the bathwater. Instead of saying, keep that with what God's restoring. We just throw that on. We just move on and on and on all over the place. And the ship does this and people are just falling off overboard into the sea of lost hope. So it's truth restored. Acts chapter 3, verse 21. He, Jesus, must remain in heaven until the restoration of all things. Now, I know that that has to do with heaven and earth, but what's happening in heaven can happen on earth to some degree now. I don't know if I can get to this, so I'll say it now. I was thinking about this this morning when I was praying, that Revelation 22 tells us there's a river flowing from the throne room of God, and there's a, that river on both sides are the, are the trees, and their leaves are for the healing of the nations, where there'll be no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more suffering, none of those things. Read it for yourself in, in Revelation 22. And that's part of the kingdom, and that part of the kingdom for the future can break in to the now, to some degree, never to the degree of end time, when Jesus comes back, but to some degree. And we can be healed of our bodies, healing of our brokenness and whatever else inside of us, emotionally. And it's a dear, God's church is to be a healing community. Healing at every level. And I'm hoping possibly get a chance to say that some other time. Let's move on though. So, new truth. Remember what Jesus said to the disciples in John 16? He actually said it twice. He says, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you're not ready for it right now. But when He, the Holy Spirit comes, He will teach you. He will instruct you. He'll show you. And He will also bring to remembrance. He'll remind you of what you've forgotten. God is restoring lost truth, appearing to be new truth. And even truth that's not lost can look new to us who love him every time we read it. It can be, wow. And I kind of, sometimes I look at it and I think, wow. And then I think I have preached on that possibly 500, I'm not exaggerating, 500 times. But it looks new to me today. Not because I forgot it, because he breaks in something more. God wants us to have a faith, an expectation and then moving on quickly, I took too long on those two. The third part of this new wine is the believers experiencing more than they had ever experienced before. I'm going to move on quickly. The next one, number four, I think it's number four, number somewhere around there, the new wine is his creativity, God's creativity, the one that said, let there be, and there was. The one that took the ground, the soil, 
and did something. I don't know quite how he did it, but you know, he just and there was Adam. God's creativity. And then looking at Adam says, man, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone. I'm going to do something about that. Just take this little rib here. Two of you. I mean, stop and think about it. The mountains, the hills, the trees, the flowers, the plants, animals, insects. Let there be. That creativity. God is wanting to restore creativity to the church. And we don't do the same old, same old, same old, same old, thinking we're pleasing God. God is pleased with Jesus. Let's risk it and allow His creativity to come through us. Man, somebody, I was listening to some preacher a little while ago, maybe a couple of months ago, and he was saying, I got a letter from somebody, and some of you may listen to this guy, but I don't like to advertise guys' names because people get locked into them for the wrong reasons. But he says, I, he got this letter from some woman who said, you know, Pastor, I am so discouraged, so despondent, so I just want to give up. I don't know what to do. So I go to church, my church, every Sunday. When I get there, it's all dark. The lights are out, so I can't actually see the people who are there. Now, I'm not picking on any. We don't do that. So you, I'm not picking on. I'm not even saying the rights or the wrongs. This is her story. And then it's all dark. Then they sing these sad songs mournfully over and over. I'm already, I came in there sad. And the more they sing, the more sad I get, like we're at a funeral. And then the preacher gets up and, excuse me, because you think I'm doing that now, and screams at us, like God's deaf and so are we. And so I go home more depressed than I went and I'm going to go back next Sunday and try to go and I've been doing that for years. What do I do? Well, I'll leave that with you. Well, let me dare to say this. We can change that. I can stand up here and scream at you and I can say, put the lights on. You can still make people feel loved if through your wineskin, even if our wineskin's fouling it up. What does that mean? I said, I'm not going to comment much, but I'm sorry. I don't know what to do here. I'm stuck. It means I've got to see myself as vitally important in this local church. Vitally. 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 The devil has a way of just helping despondent people focus on other despondent people. It's like this radar. And they look around and they see, oh, she's despondent, he's despondent, I'm not alone. It's a whole lot of despondent people here. And so we all go home a little more despondent. The devil just makes us focus on the wrong people. There shouldn't be one person outside of you if you are despondent. You should be the only one and nobody should know it because somebody comes quickly. Not because they say, oh, look how sad David looks today. It looks like the whole world's fallen apart, so I better... No, just I'm open to you, God, and God says, go and tell him how much I love him. Just go and put your arms around that guy, that woman, something. Take a scripture. 
Share it with them. You know, I'm telling you something. The best counsel on earth is in the Bible. And for me to tell you, God loves you, David, is not going to ever be as effective as me showing him Scripture. Scripture is what the Spirit of God uses. He bears witness to the truth, and Jesus said, your word is truth. I'm quickly going to move on. All right. It's also not only his creativity, the fuller expression of, uh, of the church as it moves on towards maturity, in other words, being more like Jesus, the next one is his awesome power. The future kingdom breaking in on the present. You shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is the wine of Jesus by his Spirit. Power. And then it's the next little part of the, the wine is joy. These are not drunk with wine. They are filled with the Spirit. You could read Matthew chapter 9, 16 and 17. I never commented on but that framework that we were looked at was why these guys mourning? Because that's what they were asking was, hey, look how they, it's all about fasting. And, and they were just saying, why are your disciples so joyful and, and we so miserable? That's why he said, you don't take an old wine, uh, old wine, uh, wine uh, piece of material and sew it on, an, uh, on, on a new one or a new piece on an old. You've got to change it. You want joy. You've got, a new, you've got to have a new life. And you want to keep that joy. You've got to be in a wineskin that's doing something. So you need to be the wineskin and we need to be the wineskin. And in our togetherness, God can keep on pouring joy into our hearts. So if, and I'm not saying this ever happens, I'm sure it has, but this group here is really all despondent. They, they are just all mourning, singing us the saddest songs on earth and whatever, and we can still be joyful. And it won't be long before that old shh down to these standing in the front. I would love to see the day when we can get back to where we don't have to find blessing from here, but they find blessing from there. Instead of it moving that way, moving this way. I've often thought, what would I do if I was one of those musicians and I've had to face this as a preacher when you're preaching to this blank wall or you're singing these songs to this unresponsive group? Some of them are talking away. See who's just texted that amazing message. And they're trying their hardest, hardest to serve God. Man, let that, you know, I need to say this, please. I'm not going to finish this. Off. Can I just say this? This is the honest truth. I've really gone before God and I've asked God, help me not to in any way put myself in the, in the foreground. I, and I'm meaning this. But I want to say this for our sakes. I've never sought to make signs, wonders and miracles the thing I go after. Never to my knowledge, as best as I can remember in 50 years of ministry. But I've always sought to see God's healing community, the wineskin God wants, and it's just 
right through the life of all those years of ministry, we just saw miracles. We saw demons coming out of people, screaming and shouting, all sorts of stuff. Just let's get the wineskin right. And you'll see what God can do. That it doesn't have to come from here. It can come this way. You with me? Well, I'll have to stop and uh, leave the other whole bunch out because <laughs> I have taken too long now. Will you stand with me, please? <clears throat> Fuck, I've asked God how, how I should finish this message off. Because you and I, we have a wonderful future ahead of us. Seriously. Some of us may only have another year or two. Some of us have got 30, 40, 50 years if Jesus stays, tarries that long. But together, there's a wonderful future. I'm going to ask you, if you're saying, Dudley, I've never really understood some of what you're saying to the degree that I understand it today. The importance of my personal wineskin, the importance of our togetherness wineskin, and what that's going to mean for us as a church related to the translocal. I'm going to ask you, I was going to say to come out, but to make a move of some sort that says, Father, I've heard your voice today. And I am determined not to just let this be another message in, message out with no absolute transformation. So whatever that looks like for you, whether you just raise your hands up high, tell the Father, yes, this is me, Father, and let the devil know at the same time, devil, you can see I'm in on, in on this. Will you just... Raise your hands if you need to step out, but please do something that says, I am not going to let this be the status quo of my life for another moment on. Please do it now in Jesus' name. Father, please, please, I pleaded with you from the moment Darren asked me to preach, pleaded with you day and sometimes through the parts of the night. I'm asking, please do it that this wineskin here will be so different into the future. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. That, Father, even the nations will somehow begin to grip our hearts again. You've brought some of us from way overseas to be here. Help us to be willing to give and go. I ask it in Jesus' name and your blessing upon these elders as they take us further in to what you have for us. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Amen. Jesus.